Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, mate. Doing pretty well. It's um, obviously a pretty exciting time to, to jump on the podcast, given it's uh, that time of year where we start being linked with players and obviously uh, a few exciting transfers, uh, well, one in particular, uh, to talk about. So, it's um, yeah, it's a very optimistic time of the year, I would say. Yeah, and I think um, and I think the good thing is that now that we've had that news last night, our time um, about Cavalio is it's not just a rumor. It's not just a uh, you know like sort of like Philogene last window even where we knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when, and you know the days would tick by and you kind of go, well, we just just need the club to announce it. So it was good to get that announcement, uh, which means we can talk about it in a little bit uh, with you know full excitement, no sort of trepidation in case things fall down or whatever. But look, we'll talk about uh, all those off-field stories uh, in just a little bit, but we'll talk um, on-field first with that draw with Birmingham in the FA Cup, um, which I sort of keep forgetting. I have to remind myself actually does mean we have another fixture as well against them uh, next midweek. So maybe we'll couple the the game review as well as preview thoughts on, uh, you know, we've got Leicester in the next round. If we get through, does that mean we're not as fussed about getting through now? Uh, certainly yeah. for me. It seems that's sort of the way, but we'll talk talk the game itself first of all. Um, a reasonably flat game on the whole, I would say, but you know, um, highlighted by an, an awesome goal for for Matty Jacob on his first start. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's you know one of those things that all football clubs get extremely excited when they see one of their you know their their young gun unsung heroes um, you know perform well and and. For him to get the the goal, you know, um, I think Rosinha touched on how he was Matty Jacob was a huge part of his plans uh, in in preseason, and then obviously it didn't uh, turn out that way uh, with the injury. So, um, you know, for him to to get on the score sheet, I think that was you know probably the only real talking point about the game. Really, I mean, we we rescued a point. Uh, oh, sorry, salvaged the draw, which uh, you know keeps us alive in the cup, which. In many ways, I, I don't think that as fans you really care about the cups too much early on. Um, I think unless you're playing a you know one of the kind of the, the really big uh, big clubs and it's a, a a nice kind of away day or something like that, it doesn't really um, hold as much um, weight. So great to see Matty Jacobs score late in the piece. And realistically, the biggest takeaway that I can kind of find from it is that it gives Rosinha another opportunity to. Um, you know, give minutes to these players who perhaps have been knocking on the door or haven't been given the chance uh, so far to prove themselves. So I think many of them will be uh, incredibly grateful uh, that we did get through uh, because it's another, you know, 90 minutes to to impress. Yeah, I think Sharp himself came out and said basically that he doesn't feel his fitness levels are up to starting a game at the moment. So for him in particular, it's actually a really good thing to have the replay um, or, you know, next round, whichever it was going to be, um, because it gives him another chance to have a run out in a game that doesn't have as much weighing on it as a, as a league fixture. So um, yeah. absolutely, you, th- you look at guys like Sharp, Vaughan as well, if he's going to go out on loan potentially. But, you know, he, I thought he, along with Jacob, were probably our standout players in, in that game, um, which is really interesting because I think, and it'll be, it'll be good to get your view on it because I've, I've seen some people really praising Ali, for example, who I thought didn't have a great game and others criticising Vaughan, who I thought did have a good game. So 
in terms of those attacking players, and I, I think it was Rosenia after the game sort of said he didn't think some of the players took the chance that the game provided to them to sort of force their way into perhaps a, a league starting lineup. Um, how did you see, I guess, those those depth players and how they performed? I was actually, I'll start with Ali. I think that he, in the in the last couple of games, um, I feel like when he has come on in the league uh, fixtures, he's looked really lively and he really has kind of come on and played that busy B role, like throwing himself about and really tried to, you know, affect the result. And I think that, you know, that to me showed shows great desire. And I still think that, you know, there's a, there's a pathway for him. Um, and, in this game in particular, I, I didn't think he was he was poor. I just didn't think that he did anything that really put himself in the shot window, which is really the result that you know that he's looking for. Like for for Rosinha to to be able to justify Ali going into into a starting spot um, at the moment would be really difficult based on that performance. So I don't think he was necessarily poor. I just don't think that you know in a fixture that he really needed to stand out. Um, he definitely didn't do that. Um, Nikilo is is another one for me that just there hasn't really been um, you know too many patches since since he signed where I've looked at him and thought oh you know we've really got to play I think uh, I'm, the championship kind of blurs into one when you think back you know sort of 15 20 fixtures ago but there has been games where you know I've I've thought that he has looked really good going forward and and when he's got the ball um, you know they're kind of trickery the uh the, the skill that that he throws at defenders um you know does look to kind of create opportunity so i have i have seen aspects of that but as far as a complete player um it really just hasn't kind of hit the hit the mark for me and again in this fixture there was nothing about his game that that really stood out or, or reached the heights that Rosinha would have been expecting to so i think probably the the question behind the question what you're gonna um you know ask really is in the press conference when Rosinha, uh, you know, spoke about people who hadn't done enough, I think realistically they were probably the two players in mm. Ali and Lilo that I, yeah. I think he was alluding to um, who really kind of had a close eye on and I, I don't think that either of them did enough to, to stand out. Um, Harry Vaughan, however, I think was probably the pick of the bunch and and I think he's the one that um, it will be giving Rosinha the most headaches if, uh, you know, the, the news to believe that there's potentially five outgoings. Uh, whether Harry Vaughan goes out on loan or not will be the, the big question that I think um, will be plaguing um, the, the gaffer as he goes to bed at night at the moment. Yeah, and I think for me, Lukilo, and I've, I think I've been reasonably consistent this season in saying I think he's been a good depth option where... You, you, you know, if you saw him on the bench in a fixture, you, you'd be pretty happy to see him coming off the bench late in the game to, to yep. run at defenders. But never struck me as somebody, like you said, that it's not as if he was a player sort of bursting into start into the starting 11 and, and sort of commanding a place. And I think the games that he's the best or the most effective in, he, he's been on the wing opposite Philogene. Um, and I think in a way, his best role has almost been in... in sort of providing that width so that teams can't just double or triple up on uh, Philogene. Um, and so I'm trying to think, as you said, the game sort of blurred together, but I think it was probably the Rotherham game in particular where he put a few really good balls into the box that 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 potentially ended up in goals. Um, but again, that's sort of where you've got Philogene on the other wing bagging two goals himself, where um, it means that teams can't just focus on Philogene. Um, and I think if it's to be believed that we're looking to bring another winger in, that role of 
of playing that dangerous element on that other wing sort of evaporates for him. Um, and interestingly, we did see, or I did hear some talk from from Baz Cooper at the HDM um, in their 1904 podcast talking about potentially Lakila getting shipped out, I presume on loan. I don't think we're selling him after six months, but it, whether it's to give him a bit more game time and, and hopefully develop it either in English club or abroad, I don't know. But uh, it was interesting to hear that, that he could potentially be one of those five going out, um, as along with, you know, you'd assume sort of Cynic, Ali, um, and maybe a couple of others as well. Doherty, I think, is now the interesting one. And, and actually, he's another one to mention for this game who, even though he only got 45 minutes, I actually thought looked really good, looked really sharp in that first half. Um, there was one passage in particular where he, he made a really great run into the box um, where I think the comment was that, you know, we haven't seen that much from him in the championship, but was more familiar in, in his League One days. But he's one where, especially with Seri and uh, Traore off at AFCON, um, it makes it really difficult to know whether we should ship him off, as I think was originally the plan, uh, when we sort of need him here now for depth. And, and you look at, you know, we were lucky with um, that Tyler Morton red getting overturned, but you, you kind of can't help but think, you know, we were that close to to basically being down to those bare bones and you, you don't really want to risk that potentially happening again. Yeah, the other thing that I would probably add to that, and I totally agree with you, is if, you know, the championship or the league season is anything to go by, um, I think there's almost the trail of breadcrumbs being uh, dropped by Byra Senior at the moment because Doherty has, uh, you know, featured in, in many of the, the recent league fixtures, um, not necessarily for, you know, for large periods, but there does seem like there's a real impetus kind of being pushed to, to give him the chance to, to force his way into the squad. And so I think that that probably speaks to me um, in the way that I think Rosinia does potentially view Doherty and the plans moving forward. Um, just because of uh, the fact that he's, you know, persisted with him um, for so long um, post post Doherty's injury as well, and obviously it's just you you think about the positional role that Doherty plays. Like it's really hard to make a case to say that Doherty starts over anyone in our midfield, and and it's not that Doherty I think is a poor player. I do think that we've seen glimpses of of Greg Doherty that um, you know provide that he is championship caliber, um, albeit probably bottom half of the championship, I would I'd say being uh, generous. But uh, certainly as a squad player, um, I think there is definitely still a role for him to play um, in the season moving forward. And I do feel that Liam Rossigno also sees things that way. Uh, and then just as a final comment on this, I mean, we sort of, sort of already touched on it, but in terms of the replay and potentially Leicester in the next round, any any thoughts on, you know, any any sort of care you sort of already said that there's not a whole lot of focus on it at this stage but you know do we want to get through to play Leicester does it really matter at all um do we think we could get past Leicester in the next round or how do you see it I don't think that there's any way that we're going to look at it as a as a fixture that needs to be thrown but I do think it will be seen as an opportunity to to just give players that run out I think if anything um, based on the injury news of, of Delap uh, coming through, uh, that mm. Connolly probably now needs to be, you know, protected. So I'd be surprised to see him feature in, in the game. Um, I think that that is probably the um, thing, as you mentioned, uh, Sharp will need minutes. Uh, so there's a few, a few kind of, uh, you know, through lines and, and separate narratives going on. But I do think that it's not going to hold um, a huge importance other than to get those guys um, opportunity in the legs. And I think that, you know, Ali and uh, Lakilo are probably the two that um, will be looking to respond the most given um, the, the post-match conference, uh, conference from Rosinha. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's a great segue. We'll talk mm-hmm. off-field news then as well now. Um, what turned from a sort of a precautionary rest for, for Liam Delap? As some, I was commenting in the chat the other day, I, I do find it funny. It's not that it happens all the time, but, you know, you sometimes see these these players get rested for a game and it's just, oh, giving them a rest because they're a bit sore. They'll go in for a scan and all of a sudden it's, you know, an eight to 12-week injury, as, as is the case with Delap. And you kind of think it's not like he got smashed in the game in particular. It's not like he had to come off injured. So I always sort of wonder if they hadn't done the scan, if he would have just sort of muddled on through. But obviously you don't want to do any long-term damage to him. And it's terrible news for us in terms of the structural role that he plays in the side. But um, maybe a quick word on on Delap first before we talk about the incomings. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And it's it's always frustrating as a fan to to read the initial... um, injury report and to hear oh yeah he got a knock or like what does a knock even mean the level of of knock you know obviously has huge connotations for some and then it's as simple as a bump you see louis Coyle get knocks and he just plays the next week that's that's right and so i think the the big thing that is probably um really difficult to from an injury report is to talk about swelling so when you say some kind of injury obviously if it's a significant injury usually the site is you know incredibly swollen and i think uh that also can be the case if, you know, you cop a cork or something like that where swelling can be big and then, um, or, you know, greater and then can be reduced really quick with, with ice. And I, I know, well, it sounds very sports scientist. We don't know what we're talking about here um, on the podcast, but it, it, it is those interesting ones. I agree that the, the same innocuous, that doesn't really sound like there's a storyline behind it because the, um, you know, the player seems to be walking okay and moving fine. And it's just, uh, you know, a rather small-sided small, small sided thing. But then when you get the heartbreaking news that he's out for as, as long as what is expected, um, you know, if we're talking the the upper side of, of two months, that's a very long time to be without, um, you know, one of the, the stars of the season, which is um, really difficult to stomach. Uh, so uh, I can't remember if that was the initial question. I think I got yeah. caught up in, the, um, in, in the, the hype about classification of injuries, but... Um, yeah, really disappointed uh, to to hear that he will be out, and I do think that um, that certainly uh, you know affirms how important the signing of of Billy Sharp um, may prove to be. Yeah, and also not just Billy Sharp, but the news that we got last night confirmed Fabio Cavallio joining on loan from Liverpool. Um, it would have been maybe three four weeks ago when I first saw that he was returning to Liverpool from Red Bull uh, Leipzig. And I think I saw someone mention somewhere as very much an optimistic pipe dream suggestion of, hey, you know, why don't we try and get him in? And it was quickly rubbished by people saying, you know, he's just been playing Champions League. There's no chance he's dropping down to the championship. It's, you know, you're dreaming sort of thing. And uh, even as recently as a week ago, when you're looking at the clubs linked to him, Southampton, Leeds, even I think Wolves expressed interest in the Premier League. Um, for him to be joining us over those clubs. Um, I think, you know, Tyler Morton was cited as a big influence on the decision. Obviously, Liam Rossini as well. Um, no doubt, Seri as well had had a hand in, in chatting to him from their time at Fulham together. Um, but I saw, I saw on Twitter someone trying to kind of think of other examples of times that players have played in the group stage in the Champions League and then gone to the Championship in the same season. And I think the only one they could come up with was a centre-back for United who went to Ipswich or somewhere. Um, so it's a very uncommon, unusual sort of signing in that sense and, and just shows how monumental it could be and how much of an impact it could have on our season. Well, absolutely. I think it, 
Uh, Rosinha, when he, um, the, the first post-match conference, when he was talking about how excited he was about the link and he can't really talk about it, you always wonder how much to read into those things purely because it's a manager trying to get the fans excited and then if he turns around and said, oh, we had something in the pipeline but it didn't happen, you're not really letting anyone down because as, as pessimistic fans, you kind of think, well, until it's until it's in writing um, and you see the the picture of the player holding the contract and a, and a city shirt in front of him, you've just been let down too many times. And I think that was what um, was so interesting about this particular signing was, as you said, the, the types of clubs that were also interested um, and a player of, you know, that calibre. It's not like it was a rumoured interest. I think it was pretty clear, particularly Wolves. I actually thought that um, the deal had been completed with Wolves um, based on some of the reporting. So, uh, yeah, to to get that one over the line um, is, is a remarkable uh, bit of business. And, and not just that, I think it shows the intent. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's another tick in the, in the owner's uh, kind of book because we look at Ajun when he comes out and says that he wants to back Rosinha and you think, oh, okay, like, let's see what that looks like. Um, and then obviously the, the background work with, with Tan Kessler as well. Uh, they obviously do have a, um, you know, a really uh, clear negotiation strategy and they must have really good communication with clubs uh, to be able to go and sit in the room and have these meetings and get the types of, of deals and players across the line that we've seen in the last uh, 18 months. It's, it's remarkable for me to, to see that this one actually um, you know, came across the line. I, I did say as well, uh, perhaps more interestingly, that he joins a, um, a unique group yes. of players uh, that have played for Liverpool, um, Leipzig and Hull City. And then the other one was Peter Golaski. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other thing is obviously yeah. Sarri and Morden had a word to him, but I wonder if, uh, you know, Golaski as a former teammate at that point in, uh, in Leipzig uh, might mm-hmm. have also had a chat to him. Obviously, he hasn't been a City player for quite some time, but I, yeah, I did say that. Yeah, the the quote. I don't know what show it's from, but the whole you know, um, it's you know, it's it's unusual that it's happened twice, sort of thing. You know, it's, which isn't yeah. that many, but it's it's unusual that it's happened twice. Um, I quite yeah. like that. So, uh, yeah, no, a very funny one. And and as you say, it's the signal of intent. And and you look mm-hmm. at um, another player that we'll talk about now as well, Manuel Bre- Manuel Benson um, at Burnley, mm-hmm. where. I think we touched on him before on the podcast as uh, verbal agreement with Burnley, but not necessarily with the player who's who's kind of keeping his options open at this stage. But things like this actually can help in getting those players across the line because I'm sure for him looking at City now, he goes, well, hang on. Like they've got Carvalho in from Liverpool. They, they actually mean business. They're actually looking to push into the playoffs and, and beyond um, rather than, you know, if Carvalho had gone elsewhere and we're sort of sitting there kind of running through our options, trying to bring someone in and he looks at us and goes, well, they're getting a bit desperate. I, you know, what's going on there? I don't really want to go there. Um, it can have a huge say in, in the sorts of players that we bring in for the rest of the window. Absolutely. And if you think about that, being a Premier League player, you know, coming back to, to, I say coming back to playing in the championship because a lot of them aren't getting minutes necessarily in the first team for their Premier League clubs. But the best way for them to be in the shot window is to be part of a, a playoff, you know, race. Like it's either an automatic promotion where you're, you're lifting a title and playing a significant role or you, you get into that, the, you know, the top six places and play some really big televised games where, you know, much of the country and you know a lot of the world is is kind of um, showing interest, and that's ultimately the best way to secure a you know a Premier League contract as well. So, I, I think that what I agree with um, in in regards to if you if you were Benson and you were you were thinking you know what 
what club do I go to? If you do look around and see the the players on paper and see the the style of football that that Rosinha has us playing, um, it's hard not to get excited and to go as as far as where my career's at. This could be the perfect move for for me to be seen and to to play a significant role and play with a team that is you know pretty much rolling and and seems to have a fair bit of momentum heading into the into the playoffs. Um, or the latter half of the season. I think it's a bit presumptuous to say that we'll be in the playoffs, but yeah, that the intent that um, that is, is being shown certainly reflects a um, you know a level of ambition that that makes you want to be a part of something, um, which yeah. seems to be what is being echoed by the players who who are coming to the club. And I guess with Carvalho and and Benson linked as loans, it is also good to see. So Ivor Panda. Um, Goalkeeper from Croatia uh, playing at uh, Fortuna Sidard, looking at joining on um, a permanent deal, looking mm. like a fee of only about one to one and a half million pounds as well, which um, I think is a lot less than the Fortuna Sidard fans were expecting it to be. Um, I'd sort of said, I can't remember if it was yourself or Dan a couple of weeks ago, that my concern with this window was that we didn't spend too much of our budget kind of like putting all our eggs in one basket to, to try and go up this season to the detriment of any transfer strategies for next season or beyond um, and sort of harm our chances in those windows. So whilst I look at Carvalho as potentially a signing like that, where I don't know what the fee in, and the cost involved is, it's good to see a, a permanent signing like like Panda, who's you know 23 years old, um, definitely one, one for the future, but one for now as well, sort of a long-term signing. Um, yeah. As as someone that that strengthens the squad for this season, but also beyond, and um, uh, you know whether he's brought in initially to challenge Orsop, but not necessarily replace him, um, remains to be seen. But that you know, it's it's an exciting signing in that sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the the, the keeper issue is one that that does kind of need solving, particularly if uh, you know Rissinger is is held bent on playing, you know, the way that he has or the way that he, he likes his keepers to play. I know Alsop was a bit of a head scratcher when he, you know, first got signed. But I think it's very clear to me that, you know, whilst I actually don't um, dislike Ingram as a keeper, it's it's very clear that he's not the style of keeper that that Rosinha, you know, prefers. And so, um, if you think that, or if he believes that, that's a really critical part of of kind of of how we're going to play. Um, if if Ingram's your first backup and Alsop Alsop gets injured. Well then, you're compromising the style of play that you you know are hoping to, and I think that's probably why um, you know there was a, a, certainly a level of um, yeah, intrigue and, and uh, like it, um, sorry, it was proactive in, in trying to go and sign a keeper for a fee and have it um, locked in is because he wants to really ascertain the style that we're you know, hoping to continue playing. And if you don't have a, a keeping bench of depth that's able to pick up and continue to play that once you have one or two injuries, well then, um, you know, that's a huge, a huge hole in his system. So it doesn't surprise me. And I think it's, yeah, it sounds like a very astute uh, piece of business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other position we're looking to strengthen, I'll, I'll sort of couple that with um, our discussion of our player this week being Ruben Vinagre. Uh, yeah. It seems that he's played at his last game for City, uh, only the 10 appearances out of a possible 24. So a reasonably disappointing loan spell from uh, Sporting Lisbon. I think they're looking to send him back out on loan to Turkey or somewhere like that. Um, and, and as a result, we're looking to bring in a left back. It sounds as if that would also be a permanent signing, which in a way, I think is actually the right way to go. I mean, I was initially surprised when we got Vinagre in the summer 
uh, on loan. And, you know, we, I think we all saw that there was that option to buy for something like 15 million pounds, which we all knew wasn't going to be taken up. Um, so again, it's another one where you kind of go, it's good to have a long-term, hopefully long-term signing in that position just to lock that away. Um, but on Vinagre himself as well, you know, showed, showed his glimpses when he was fit, but the issue was he just couldn't stay fit for long enough. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I do think as well that there was there was such a, a pressure that kind of came with him. I know that in our um, in our preseason predictions, many of us expected uh, Vinagre to be up in the conversation for for player of the season, um, or, or certainly you know our best pick. So. I think that the fact that he did come with some level of, of hype around him probably makes the, the load spell all the more disappointing. Um, but I guess what is kind of, um, you know, to the to the management side's credit is, is I actually like that we've decided to move on from him sooner rather than later. I think all of the comments that Rosinha's made in the in the press about uh, Vinagre have been really respectful. And I think it has kind of spoke to... Um, the fact that Rossini still values him as a player, thinks he still, you know, has a lot to offer. Uh, but for this point in time where we're at, it, it doesn't seem like it's, um, you know, the right uh, the right relationship. And so uh, to move on from him quite quickly, who is, you know, Vinagre is a, is a name and he's certainly, like, um, well-known, he's, he's, I think, really smart and, um, and, and shows, again, the ambition. But... Uh, instead of you know flogging the dead horse and going oh well that's a that's a star that we've got on the books you know we'll we'll hope that he'll he'll come back and do a role for us later in the piece um, it, it seems to me like it's quite um, you know, it's quite good business yeah no doubt no doubt okay well we'll wrap things up uh, with a preview of that Norwich game uh, Friday mm-hmm. night over in the UK Saturday morning our time we've had quite a lot of Saturday morning games recently yeah. which I actually quite like you know it's a nice seven a.m. start to the day it's not not disrupting your weekend too much in terms of sleep patterns. Um, Of course, played them on the opening day of the season and lost 2-1 with that very late, uh, potentially out-of-bounds ball, uh, giving them the winning goal uh, with basically the last kick of the game. Um, What I'll actually look forward to most with this game is, I guess, seeing our progress on the pitch because casting our minds back to that game, it's probably the most... It, it, it was very reminiscent for me of, I don't know if you remember, like our first Premier League game under Bruce against Chelsea where the first 30 minutes, they just passed us off the park and you thought, geez, this is this team's on another level to us. And yeah. it felt like that a lot with this Norwich game where they just came at us with that intensity and, and tempo that we just didn't seem able to keep up with. And, you know, yes, the lap scored against the run of play and, and, and got us off to a great start. But it seemed as if it was very much um, a team chasing promotion against a team battling relegation or mid-table in us um, where our expectations would have been a bit different. Um, and so I'll be interested to see now, half a season later, how much we've developed and, you know, potentially how much they've dropped off, um, where the roles might reverse a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's not forget as well, heading into this one, we're going to be without Philogene. We're going to be without Delap, who, you know, if you had to kind of consider the the team that, you know, we're putting out, oh, like we'd have no chance against, you know, to be losing like those two stars and still have to go and compete against the likes of Norwich. It's going to be a tough one. But I, I kind of, I seem to sit on the same side of the fence as, as you do. Um, I think the progress that I've expe- I expect that we'll see um, from that opening day is, um, you know, is a remarkable one. And I know that they've kind of, um, you know, had some some patches of their own where they, they started well, I think, died off, and then they've been pretty streaky when I looked at their mm. their form, um, their form this this season. But even though I would say that um, 
overall we've we've still had some really interesting patches of our own i don't know if we're necessarily a streaky team like i do believe when we go out and play that we are a chance of beating anyone in the championship on our day and i think that's probably um maybe the biggest uh, like air of confidence that that i think rests with me is it doesn't matter that it is norwich now i think norwich coming you know to the mkm is going to be a really interesting prospect for them and the way that they will view the fixture will be oh no you know, we're playing Hull, who are a, a, another playoff-chasing team um, who have obviously, you know, shown their, their ambition in, in the players that they've signed. Um, and I think they're going to certainly uh, find a very different City team from the one that they played on the opening day. Yeah, I think there's only one win in the last five for them. Um, they do have Josh Sargent back from injury, who I think when he went out injured was a big contributor to their drop-off in form. Uh, uh, Rowe, who I think think scored against us. I can't remember if he got the winner or their first goal. Um, has been in terrific form for them as, as sort of a youngster who's come into their side. Um, but, you know, as you say, I mean, I guess Philogene and Delat both missing for this one are two key players for us. But um, I guess the interesting one will be whether we see Carvalho from the start or off the bench. And, and um, I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to say we might see him from the start, but it just depends how long he's been training with us, I suppose. Well, I guess the other aspect of that is, you know, the, one of the things that I love the most about the signing is that the the main reason Liverpool was so keen on on letting him come to us was based on the development of, of Tyler Morton, and they've been mm. really happy with, you know, the game time that he's been given. So I, I do think that, I know it, it's kind of soon. It has come at a good time where we have got, um, you know, this this mini break in the season, so we are able to get the deal done, and he does have time. Yeah, assuming he's fit, I can't see any reason why. They wouldn't start him. A player of that calibre straight into the lineup. Great for the fans. Um, a great way to, um, you know, introduce yourself to the to the city faithful if he is able to to get on the score sheet against the an orange side. Um. So yeah, look, I, I'd be I'd be inclined to think that he does start, and I think that if he does, there will be a um, you know a huge buzz around around the stadium because of the you know just the magnitude of a signing he is. Yeah, and I guess the other player we didn't touch on with the Birmingham game was uh, Billy Sharp making his debut. Um, presumably we'll see him off the bench again in this one. I, I thought he looked reasonable. I mean, you know, given given his age and um, I suppose spell in the championship last time around, um, I thought he looked, you know, pardon the pun, but he, he looked quite sharp. Um, I thought, you know, his, his, his layoffs to Connolly, his positioning, everything else, was really good. Um, so you think you throw him on for the last 20 or 30 minutes in this game as well. That adds another dimension as well. Um, I suppose the only thing really is when you think about sort of wide options for this game is you, you are probably leaning on someone like a Lakilo to go one side with maybe Cavalio on the other. Or, or if you're putting Cavalio through the centre, you're looking at like a twine or a two fan. And um, you, you, you do sort of think it sort of highlights the fact that we're kind of lacking in in wide players of quality at the moment with Philogene out and until someone like a Benson potentially signs. So I think that's that's definitely the weakness at the moment. Um it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean whether you have like a twine and a Cavalio sort of interchanging between a central and wide position, I think they can both play both quite well. Um, so I think that's potentially what we might see because I know Rosenia does like to have the players be a bit fluid. Um, and I think Connolly up top has looked really good. Um, he's actually been more durable than you'd expect this season. I don't think he's missed too many games. So he'll be leaned on quite heavily. And as you said, he'll sort of be wrapped in cotton wool for any uh, non-essential fixtures like the FA Cup. But, um, you know, if he can find the back of the net, I think we'll be in with a good chance. 
Yeah, I, I was going to interrupt when you said Connolly's been durable because it always looks like he's only a stiff wind away from being yeah. injured. It always, you know, hobbles around like he's been shot in periods, but always seems to be able to, you know, manage it and, and play through it. But I think that in the last few weeks in particular, we've seen glimpses of Connolly that really show why he is, um, you know, such a special player. And I think I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty sure he was my uh, potential player of the season uh, from the beginning, despite him not actually having officially signed at the point. Uh, so yeah, very good. I'm, I'm very glad to see, see the progress that he's making and the fact that he is, you know, being able to chip in um, with as many goals. But um, yeah, certainly his role becomes even more increased given the, um, the sad to lap news. Absolutely. Um, and then the score prediction for this one? Oh, look, my score prediction, I agree with you. I think that at the moment the, the width is a real concern, uh, but I do think that um, given the fact Norwich have, have struggled recently, I think this the, the, the feeling of the new signings, I'm going to say, I reckon maybe 2-1, 2-1 City. Yeah, 2-1. Uh, I feel like 2-1 is probably my most common scoreline at the moment as a prediction because I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in us keeping clean sheets, but I think... Uh, I'm backing Carvalho to bag on debut, I reckon, is is my big shout. And I could see a 2-1 win as well. So, uh, yeah, it'd be pretty exciting to, to see that all unfold Saturday morning. Uh, we've got the Birmingham replay midweek next week as well. Uh, and then we'll be back here to chat all about that uh, this time next week. So, look, until then, thanks for joining me, Logan. Yeah, no worries, Alex. Dozy, and thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back cause you're out